Let's go. Hey, everybody. Uh, I know it's Tuesday. You're like, what the hell's going on? Well, I, I've got a bonus episode for you. Um, after watching the Indie World Direct, and I've already told you this, the, the game that jumped out to me as the most interesting was Quantum League. And if you don't remember which one that is, that's the time loop first person shooter. And I thought it looked really interesting. So I reached out to the development team and I said, hey, does anybody on your team want to take a half hour or so and sit down and talk to me about your game. And uh, they said, absolutely, they want to be on the show. So uh, I'm joined today by Balthazar Auger, and uh, he it was an awesome conversation. He told us like how they ended up getting in touch with Nintendo and the, the craziness that comes along with being a game that's going to be in an indie world presentation. Uh, told me about their inspiration for the game, where they came from, and that actually might kind of surprise you, uh, as well as how the game works. Uh, big thank you to Balthazar for being on the show. Without any further ado, I'm going to take a quick break and we'll thank a sponsor. And then after that, we're going to come back with my interview with Balthazar. So stick around, everybody, and uh, thanks for listening. Playing with power. What exactly is your job on Quantum League? So uh, we're a small team. So my job is um, I started out as principal designer, um, but then mutated to uh, producer, director, and uh, as development went on. Um, so I, you could say I'm now kind of like a game director type. Awesome. It must have been pretty exciting to have your game featured on an Indie World showcase. How did that happen? Uh, well, so it, it kind of was out of the blue. So uh, our company's CEO met with um, Nintendo people at DICE, I believe. Um, and then we got an email and uh, from from Nintendo and they, they tell you, okay, you're on a deadline now. Uh, welcome. And you need to deliver all of these footage and kind of like documents and, and stuff um, and be sure to like follow these guidelines make sure to uh, to send all these footage to um, to the ESRB to be be vetted and and you and I looked at my team and I went like okay guys this could be like a lot of job uh, of work but we could be featured on the Nintendo in the direct and they went like okay let's do it <laughs> <laughs> was it down I, the wire uh, no, I mean yes. For one bit, yes. Uh, so we it was for once because you you need to have the footage approved for all your audiences, like mm -hmm. for advertising with all audiences. And it's a shooter game, and it it's not maybe what comes across as much in the footage that we did end up showing in Nintendo because the initial footage was all based on like first person perspective of you like shooting other players and stuff like that. And and the uh, the rating agency came back and said no, that's not going to fly. So, so go ahead, sorry. Oh yeah, sorry. We we scrambled to find alternate footage. This was like two weeks before uh, the actual airing of the footage, but it was like down the line to the final minute of the deadline. So uh, so it kind of was a mad rush up to up until the end. <laughs> You know, it always ends up being that way. Um, so, what 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 uh, rating are what what rating are you expecting uh, to get from ESRB? So, actually, we already have our rating. It's a teen game, okay. uh, so twelve plus. But 
the um, and and it's a game that we uh, we always like uh, meant to build it to be accessible to most audiences. Like what's even going up? Uh, like what's acceptable? Like with a gun in terms of feel, without going uh, like into the the blood territory and stuff like that. So um, we we did. We did, we've always uh, been str uh, stranding that line between okay, we want uh, the shooting to feel good, but we don't want to go into the uh, ultra violence uh, bit, so that we stay in a like audience-friendly environment. Yeah, that makes and a lot difficult. of sense. But it is difficult because then you go like, I want like to give this shotgun like a good like good feel, a good punch, and you go like, okay, but you can't like really can't really spray anything, so it has to be like. We don't want to go cartoon as well, so we need to find like a middle ground that works, and it's. Uh, but it's it's really interesting, uh, nevertheless. So. <laughs> so you're making a first-person shooter, which is kind of a vanilla thing, but then you're completely upending it and and changing it to make it something completely different and unique. It's a time travel first-person shooter. Can you explain the mechanics for the listeners? I can try. Um, so the mechanics are quite uh, simple if you think of it in movie terms. Uh, so you m remember the movie um, Groundhog Day, right? Yeah. So, so Bill Murray is stuck in the same day over and over, and and he he can't really get out, and he gets like he starts knowing what's going to happen before it does happen. Um, and so we we kind of we're kind of like doing that, but as, uh, also we're um, each time you, uh, like Bill Murray, in, in this case, starts a new day, he sees himself walking around in the previous day. Oh, um, okay. So there's there, so he can see the other copies of Bill Murray. Exactly. Okay. And and so you're kind of Bill Murray in this case. So uh, you're the player, and you this happens. You know that this will happen three times. This is kind of like the magic number that we found during development. That's like deep enough to have like uh, weird time travel effects but not as confusing to like leave you scratching at your head and having you to look at a spreadsheet of your timelines to know what they're doing <laughs> right because so you have to remember can... everything that you did before right exactly so you need to be quick and um and the other player because it's a multiplayer shooter is doing the same thing uh in front of you so what you end up having is you have by the end of a round you have like two live players who are fighting each other, but also you have uh, uh, four, so two per side, uh, cl time clones of them, of the both players who are repeating what the players did in the previous iterations of the time loop. Okay, so, so how long is the time loop then? A time loop is actually really short. It's depending on the level. It's between ten and twenty seconds. So uh, a match of uh, Quantum League should be over fairly quickly, then. Yes, there are quick matches. Uh, it's it's beyond. It's between five minutes and ten uh, for like the most casual modes, and then competitive modes can go up to up to fifteen. But that it gets really uh, it gets really involving and a bit taxing on your brain if you go like longer loops. So mm -hmm. we we're trying always trying to find the like the sweet spot between complexity and and fun so that you don't feel overwhelmed and, and and you can have fun and and also because one of the things that we want to uh, to achieve is that uh, as I was saying I don't want players to sit down with a spreadsheet or like a drawing on the wall with lines you know what they've been <laughs> 
I want players to feel like they are the time travelers and they are seeing time travel from their perspective. So they're, they're just taking like decisions uh, in the heat of the moment and go, oh, I, now I will try to do this and oh, it didn't work. So I need to fix it somehow. And, um, and that's, that's the feeling that I'm trying to get. So it's not something I found often. So in, in, in the time travel games or time loop games that we often know about and that we get as reference, uh, time travel is seen from the outside, so you see like the the characters is time traveling, but you as the player are not. So so we're trying to uh, reverse that feeling and give you the feeling of you're actually time traveling. All right. So anytime time travel comes up, there's always the problem where you may cause a paradox. So uh, let's say that in the okay. So you said there's three rounds. So in round one. Uh, I do thing A, and in round two, you kill my round one clone. Yes. And then what happens in round three if I kill you before you kill, if I kill your round two clone before you kill my round one clone? How does that work? Okay, so the way it works is actually when, uh, when, so when I, uh, who started killing who? Sorry. <laughs> um, well, okay. So oh, well, round one, let's, let's, go ahead. Sorry. Let's shift the example as, as I was saying to the player's perspective. Mm-hmm. So you're playing round one. Okay. And I do, uh, let's say I kill your round one first. What happens when you die, so when your clone dies, is actually you get to keep, keep playing in what we call the desynchronized state. So you're actually doing, like, to me, you're dead. But you are performing actions, and you're running, and you're grabbing stuff. It doesn't really happen yet, but we'll give you confirmation that if you manage to, like, change the timeline in the way you describe, then those things will happen in the future. So what I give you is a way to actually keep doing, like, stuff. So you're always playing the same 10 seconds. Is if, I, if you die, you don't quit early you just like keep playing because that's the full timeline that your time clone will have to uh to perform if you save me and the the cool part is that i killed you but i don't know what's going to happen so i i have like I, it's an advantage and a and a, an advantage to to use well if you can use it because you know stuff that your clone is going to do but i don't know about easily i i, I have ways to find out but it's much more complicated for me so i can either like wait around and try to guess where he's going to be and like lay down some some suppressing fire or uh just like okay this is this has happened here so I can try to like do something else elsewhere and so when you I'm see what where it gets complicated basically yeah 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 uh so when I'm desynced do I know that I've been killed yes you 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 actually see it and, okay and, and that's the point where you can actually start taking different decisions because you know that from that point on, uh, that desync clone will mostly be affecting like the clone number two and three of the opponent. Because for the clone number one, he's already dead. So you start taking these like they're they're kind of like counterintuitive at first, but you you get into it and you start taking these strategies. Like okay, so sometimes you actually want to die. Like we have some experienced players, oh. and uh, it's actually like who kill themselves in a way that they can prevent easily afterwards so that they, they, they do it to, so that they play while desynced and then easily like 
cancel it so that they can actually play. So your strategy there is you have to try, uh, you have to try to to um, prevent the death of the number one clone before <laughs> before your opponent prevents his death, so that you can see what he's doing and try to prevent it in the second round. So it it is something that gets uh, really deep really fast and and it's something that's uh, both uh, like a, a blessing and a curse because then we when we try to add like standard uh fps things like okay we once we we went like okay let's try to add like a catch the flag kind of mode what like i mean how worse how bad can it get <laughs> it gets really bad <laughs> not bad in a bad sense but it <laughs> bad in a sense that uh, it's one of the most complex ones and that we're still figuring out how to explain it to players because you also need to be tracking in, like, in, in the timeline as well how the chain of events with the flag will, will turn out so that you know who's going to have the flag at one point. Or you, you can try to make sure you give the flag at, at, at one of your clones at one point so that he has it when he gets to the point. Gotcha. That's that's really interesting. What um what modes are in the game? Uh, so you got capture the flag. What else? So capture the flag is not in the game because, as I mentioned, it's still one of the like a developer challenge mode. Uh, what we have playable is a is a free for all. So you you uh, earn points by making sure that uh, you have more clones alive than your opponent. That's okay. straightforward, but it still gets complex because. We have mechanics to uh, to revert uh, a desync, so you can resync your clone. Uh, and we also have like our main mode at the moment is a uh, capture point kind of mode. So you have a central point in in different levels, and uh, you need to be on alive on the point by the end of the clock. So if you're there by the end of the clock, then you score. If you're not like alone, on, uh, then you get a an extension round. Oh, okay. Uh -oh. So, like, let's say we're playing against each other, and you have two clones on the on the capture point at the end, and I have one. Then you win. But if we have the same number of clones on the capture point, then there we go to a fourth round. So, so we did uh, actually. That's like, yeah, we were like at uh, the moment we're splitting the modes into like more casual ones. So that's the more casual one. The most competitive one is that if you manage to get at least one foot in, it's a uh, cancel point. It needs to be exclusive. So. So that gives like many uh, last minute uh, last minute dashes to the points to make sure that I get there and etc. So it's it's like more exciting, but it's also more uh, difficult to explain because it's like okay, but I, I it, it's I mean in this game often it goes at the very last minute a second sorry a minute is a long time yeah a very last second uh, like uh, so you you think you have it and then some guy revives from nowhere and then makes the mad dash to the point like disregarding your fire and then gets to it and then you know that he got an extension so uh we're really like trying to get a a, a, um, a feeling that it's a sports game more than a, a shooting game uh that kind of like hail mary uh moves or like last minute shot at the very last millisecond and you have the bullets flying in the air in slow motion <laughs> and it connects right at the very end so you save it and you get an extension and it's that kind of uh that's kind of feeling that we're going after for. So is uh, Quantum League going to have cross-platform play? Yes, actually, we already have it. Uh, we'll probably, but for like fairness purposes, we're going to limit it to uh, at the first between PCs and consoles. So PC and consoles between them. 
and and if everything goes smoothly and people are uh, happy with our implementation of the joystick controls, we'll open it up to everyone uh, with an option. Okay. So you can, if you choose, play against PC players and and uh, match up against them. Uh, does it match based on? Um, are you going to be doing matching based on the input that people are using or the platform that they're using? So, for instance, if I'm using a gamepad on a PC, would I just be able to match up with other gamepad players, or would I be in with mouse and keyboard players no matter what? So we're going to try to have that, but it's not a. Um, I mean, we have input based, uh, but it's not a. Um, how does uh, it's not a priority one. Um, uh, matchmaking uh, variable. Understood. So it's a lower priority. We're trying to find the first priority is trying to find people in your skill range, because in in this kind of game, like if if you played one match and I played two, I have a huge 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 advantage on you already. And not even mentioning if I played three matches, and then it evens out like at five or ten beyond that. But then you start having like place that we i mean we as devs were like amazed that we saw like in, we had a close a close beta and we're really amazed of what players were putting off we never really imagined that they could do stuff like that so it it goes crazy pretty fast so we're really trying to have uh, give you a first match first because it's not as much a game that relies on your precision with a with a gun uh I mean, I can be the like the best aimer, aiming guy, uh, like nailing my headshots every time. But if you kind of think ahead of me, then you know that, hey, maybe uh, I won't be even there when you shoot at me, or I don't care because then I, I will revive and you you will have spent your headshots or something like that. So it's it's something where knowing the game, it's like more like a, a card game, you know? Yeah. Um, where your knowledge of the game is almost as important as your actual skill playing it. Is the game going to uh, require Nintendo Switch Online in order to play online? Uh, well, that I can't confirm yet, but it's still being uh, discussed. Fair uh, enough. Yeah, yeah. Is there, uh, like, I, I thought I remembered reading that there was 1v1 and 2v2. Am I correct in Exa reading that? Exactly. That is, that is correct. We have 2v2. Uh, it's it's su super, uh, super fun. Is there um, a, a voice chat? So we'll, there will be voice chat in, in the future as well. So, you know, we're, we're, as, as I mentioned, we're a small team, so we, we can't really roll out our own, uh, our own solution for this. So we need to uh, like get a middleware one and make sure that it's, like, it has rights for every platform and mm -hmm. it, it works correctly and it has the SDK approved and everything. So it takes a little bit more time from the like, producing side and not as much from the development side. So it's kind of basically a lot, a lot of emails and, <laughs> and going back and forth. And then when you give the SDK to the developer, he goes like one day and, okay, that's it. It's working. <laughs> there you go. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so getting rid of voice chat altogether, is there a possibility that I could sit down, my friend and I sitting on a couch playing local split screen against somebody else playing local split screen? Uh, that's one of like our, like our things that we would love. Uh, it really depends mostly on performance. Uh, mm -hmm. So we're still like ramping up development, and the game will release first on, on PC during the early access open beta. And then we'll try to even out any kinks that we have there and then make sure that we understand the problems of performance uh, on, I mean, on certain matches. And then at that point, we'll consider doing uh, 
uh, split screen. It's something that we, uh, it's really fun when you do a split screen because you can give directions to the, so we, we tried it on the same, like in, in the computer with two viewports and it does work, but uh, you can give directions to what you're, you're watching, what the other one's doing and you go like, no, 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 try to go right, save my guy. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's super, super fun. You you get you, you scream stuff that you never thought you would have screamed. Basically. <laughs> um, are you targeting thirty or sixty frames per second for the Nintendo Switch version, or is that uh, still up in the air? That's the, uh, uh, as well still up in the air. We're trying. I mean, uh, you've seen the game. It's not a the, the aesthetics are uh, are like friendly for uh, like uh, try to get the best performance that we can on every platform. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, yeah, we're trying to get it on on 60 if we can. We're already pretty close, actually, so it's not something that's far out of our reach. But we do want to make sure that it's working on every level at the same level of of stability. Yeah, that's if, really important if you're doing uh, cross-platform because uh, one of the advantages that a PC person might have is that they'd be 60 frames per second and I'm playing at 30 frames per second because I'm on Switch and now suddenly I'm at a huge disadvantage. So it's really good to hear that you're you're trying to go for that uh, parity across platforms. That's awesome. Well, it did happen to me, so I, I know how it feels. And <laughs> I, I, I can convey that to the team as well. And yeah, it happened to them. What's your uh, target price for the game on Switch? If you can say that yet. It is... Uh, uh, it is not. It is not higher than twenty dollars, twenty-five. It, it is. It, we don't consider that it's a. It's a thirty-dollar game, so it's less than that. Any That's microtransactions? Can, uh, not yet. No, not as well. Not yet so, or no? Not. We. Don't, I can't even confirm that. It's oh, so okay. early. So we we do have. Um, for instance, making microtransactions and maintaining it is actually something that. Currently, out of our technical range of expertise. Oh, okay. It, it is the same thing as voice chat. So we're really like, we're mostly gameplay programmers and we're like uh, starting to get our feet wet into the server backend, uh, not a gameplay server, but like a backend server and transactions and logins and everything. So it, it, this is in full honesty. I, 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 would, I wouldn't even dream of saying yes to microtransactions because I don't even know if we can offer it in a way that doesn't like break everything, mm -hmm. uh, and especially across three different platforms. So my go-to my go-to um, answer at the moment is no, and that's the simplest one. Yeah. Uh, but I would need to add it not for the foreseeable future. Uh, I, I like the clarity there, so thank you very much. <laughs> um, yeah. So what what games inspired you to make Quantum League? So um, obviously, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I've been playing a lot of these kind of games, um, but the weird answer is that we actually started uh, from a different genre as well. We, we uh, the the studio I was in before has just shipped a uh, XCOM like game, mm -hmm. and my boss uh, went like, okay, we could like reuse all our expertise if if we do another this another game of this kind, but I know like FPSs are big at the moment, so could we do like an XCOM game as an FPS? And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that's you can't do that. Like the first answer usually oh, usually go like, no, no, that's not possible. Uh, and then like any good bosses, consider it anyway because I'm I'm your boss. I'm telling you to do it. <laughs> and it 
<laughs> it could be nice. I go like, ah, you know. So I sit down and I go like, okay, what's like, what's the good part about XCOMs? Well, when you you know you like you have your turn and you send your guy, but then your guy discovers something, but then the other guys know about that and they can go like, okay, no, I can, I can, I've been surprised, but I can flank that guy with another one. So they kind of like share information, um, in in some way. And I go like, okay, so we need to do that like that, but in an FPS. But in FPS, you have like full perspective. There's no fog of war, so you can if something's in front of you, you can see it. Doesn't mm. matter if you have like visibility range twenty or, or ten, you can see it. It's there. It's in front of you. Um, so I go like, okay, how how would it work? And then it that, it really would really suck if it's not like actually real time because FPSs are not known to be fun if you're not in real time. And I go like, what? what how could I combine these two things? Oh, maybe. Oh, if if they're in a time loop, it could work. And then I had no idea. Like I, I wrote that down, uh, told it to my boss, and I went, "Oh no, that's a super nerdy idea. We're not going going to do that." And um, and I kind of forgot about it actually um, until a bit later. So it kind of started like from getting like th- that tactical feeling from XCOM games into an FPS. That's, and that's awesome. where the time loop entered. Yeah. And then I started researching, and actually the thing that I found that was the most close to something that could have worked is a video uh, from Corridor Digital. Um, it's called Clock Blockers. Um, so clock, uh, that's the, like the pun, I guess. Yes, thank you and, for uh, pronouncing that correctly. <laughs> yes, I, I did my best effort. I, uh, I, I, if You can bleep me if you want. <laughs> and, uh, and so that actually, if you look it up, it's... Uh, so it's it's uh there's there's it's two guys who like activate their clones and the clones do stuff and it's actually what I gave uh the developers and I went like at that time I was sorry it was one developer and I was like <laughs> wouldn't it be cool to have this as a video game and he goes, looks at me and I go, that's crazy it's not gonna work um but we did we did like get some time uh, in a week to do a quick prototype in Unity and it was like and then the same developer was you know you know that this could work. And and so it started from that. And then, obviously, when you like when you make a video, it's not the the, the things what are that are fun in a video are not fun in a video game. So we started finding all these holes that we couldn't plug. And then at that point, we started looking at other games who did like a similar thing. Uh, Braid was not really into into uh, stuff that we could use, but there was Super Time Force Ultra from uh, Capi. Um, Capybara games, and and that was actually super uh, informative to the challenge that we were up against. So, uh, like these kind of paradoxes that you can try to fix, and they had like a any like a huge number of clones that you had to manage, and but then you didn't really need to because they were all your allies. And then there was also um, it's an old PSP game. It's called Echochrome, I think, or the other the other one, the one that came after that. Uh, sorry, don't don't remember the name. Uh, and that one as well has you like moving clones to uh, solve puzzles. And then I also remembered an old Flash game that I had played like a way back. It's Cursor 10. I don't know if you remembered it. No. Oh, it's it's like a you're a, you're a mouse cursor, and then you have uh, 10 iterations of your mouse cursor, and you need to like uh, progress as much as possible in a puzzle environment, like. Holding down a button to open a gate so that your mouse can pass. 
And oh, then, okay. So like you would click on a gate with one cursor and then the next cursor can go through the gate after it's been exactly. opened. Okay. That sounds cool. Exactly. Yeah. So but the problem is none of these experiences are, uh, are multiplayer. So uh, actually the video was the closest thing to multiplayer that we found. And, uh, and, and that's kind of like the whole like bag of inspiration thing that we, we've been playing with um, since. That sounds and, uh, awesome. <laughs> it, it was pretty fun yeah getting yeah. here <laughs> all right so last question and then i'll let you get out of here first off thank you for hanging out with me but uh here's my last question favorite time machine uh i would need to say the tardis okay that's fair I, enough hands down the tardis i don't think that there can be a bad answer to that question but uh, uh, uh okay there, I mean, what's the what's the worst answer that you can think of then because the it seems like you think, think that there's of? a bad answer yeah, no, it's, it's the ones that don't, like, are boring time machines. So, like, the uh, the original HD World time machine is boring because it just, it just gets you in, in trouble and doesn't get you out of, pro of trouble. So it's kind, <laughs> of, <laughs> it's kind of, well, you're here now. Like, better make the best of it. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, this is why I, I like the TARDIS. I like the uh, DeLorean, obviously, um, because they, they get you in and out of trouble. There you go. Well, thank you very much for hanging out with me, Balthazar. Uh, it was really wonderful talking to you. And uh, do we know when the game is coming out? Uh, it, no, late, late 2020. Late 2020. All right. Well, thank you very much for hanging out with me, and uh, I appreciate it. Oh, no, it's been super fun. Thank you. 